Hey, 80s Nation, we now have a lineup for the 2021 voyage of the 80s cruise. Are you ready? It's the Human League, 38 special, Belinda Carlisle, Berlin, Morris Day in the Time, ABC, John Cafferty, and the Beaver Brown Band, Modern English, Jack Russell's Great White, Dire Straits, Legacy, Flock of Seagulls, The Alarm, Sugar Hill Gang, John Parr, and Johnny Hates Jazz. MTV original VJs Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter return, along with those two knuckleheads from Stuck in the 80s who will host trivia and complain about the beer selection. If you've never been on the 80s cruise, we have a special promo code for you. This works for first-time cruisers only. Get a $200 cabin credit if you use the promo code STUCK, S-T-U-C-K, when booking. You must use the promo code at the time you book, and you must be a first-time guest on the cruise. Find out more at www.the80scruise.com. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. (laughs) The heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. (laughs) Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's Spearsy here. And Brad in L.A. And today we cover five more songs that made it all the way to number two in the charts in 1981, but no further. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. We're doing something a little different today, and uh, you can't see it as well as we can, but this is actually the first ever live live podcast that we've done. Stuck in the 80s is recorded in front of a live studio audience, sometimes. <laughs> so we are actually recording this week's podcast on Zoom. It's a test to see how this works out, and so we have a, uh, a panel of our closest friends and family to, uh, to watch what's going on. So let's meet our panel today. We have uh, Dave Horn. Dave? How are you? Great. Chase Squires is here from Ecuador. Howdy, guys. Dave Augie August. Hey, hey, hey. Douglas the General Arthur is here. Hey, you remembered. <laughs> of course. And uh, Anne from North Cal. Hi, everyone. And is it true that you are Brad's sister? It is true. I can see the resemblance. Yeah, I, I said that earlier. Can you tell us one scandalous thing about Brad as a, as a youngster in the 80s that he may not have yet revealed on the podcast? Um, I don't think I studied for this test hard enough, so no. <laughs> That's fair. Wow, enough. that was a really good answer, Anne. It's a really good answer. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to go still do our normal podcast here, but from time to time we'll, we'll reinvite our audience in to participate. So for the time being, they're going to get muted. Listeners may remember we've been hitting this this topic for the last well, six or eight months. We got an email from Chuck Coverley who listed all of the songs. I think he started in the... I think you sent us a spreadsheet that started in the 60s, so we decided not to go back quite that far. But all the songs that hit number two and stalled out there. And so we've been kind of enjoying dipping into that well of show resource goodness, bringing it to you, gentle listener. Well, we finally got to the 80s. We, we started with the 70s. We finally got to the 80s. Now we're on the year 1981, and there's so many this year that we've actually split it into two parts. If you go back to... Oh, I think it was episode 543 or something like that. You, you'll hear part one, the first half of the year. 
So we're going to pick it up now with the second half of the year. We have five songs that all reached number two in the charts. We got no further. Starting with this one, a familiar tune to anyone who's listened to our podcast enough times. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. That's the theme from The Greatest American Hero, a.k.a. Believe It or Not. Composed by Mike Post with lyrics by Stephen Geyer, sung by Joey Scarborough. Everyone knows this song. We've used it for trivia for I don't know how many years in a row. Right, Brad? Um, Yes. It is my job to now agree with you, Steve. (laughs) It got to number two. It got no further, which which is shocking to me because this song was omnipresent at the time. It seems pretty good for me for a TV theme song to make it to number two. It was, but... Luckily, here today, we have Chase Squires. Chase Squires was the TV critic at the St. Pete Times when Stuck in 80s was born. If you go back to uh, the early days of the archives, you'll listen to some amazing shows he oh, contributed to. the Miami to. Vice episode is yes. legendary. So let's bring in Chase, and, and we can talk a little bit about Greatest American Hero. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> you are my friend. Greetings from Central Time. So, Chase, Mike Post did the, you know composition here he was everywhere in the 70s and 80s yeah if it sounds familiar with the horn section in the back post did um and he hit the charts with the theme songs for the rockford files hill street blues magnum pi la law and i know your favorite tales of the gold monkey yeah i think i also have on my list quantum leap baba black sheep uh blossom a team yeah yeah doogie hauser <laughs> good grief <laughs> yeah it, what do you do for a living? He's I, the I, Michael Caine of composers. But it was a different era. I mean, back then, theme songs still mattered. Yeah, yeah, and you could have a full 35, 40, 60 second establishing theme song that tells you, you know, Mike and Carol had these kids and then they met and then kind of Cousin Oliver came in. You know, they went on and on and on. Now they sell that for commercial space. Yeah. But he's still hanging on. I mean, he still did, uh, what did he do? Law and Order and Law and Order SUV. I mean, All of those. I think it's SVU, not SUV, but close enough. Okay, you know, whatever <laughs> gets you in the car wash. That was they drove around in a big truck, yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't as well-known of a series, but, you know. Chase, you, did you watch the show in the 80s? Do you remember it pretty well? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do remember it. It was like I was a freshman in high school. I'm like a year or two older than you guys. I rewatched the pilot today. It's not quite that appropriate. <laughs> Hinkley gets in a fist fight with one of his students who... It turns out it's Michael Pare, who goes on to be Eddie from Eddie and the Cruisers. Oh, yeah. You get all these like weird little things that pop up when you watch it again. But it was sexual harassment. It's, it's, it wouldn't be acceptable family fair today. We had him on the show, William Catt, probably 10 years ago or so. And that was, that was fun. And somewhere in this office here, I have a couple autographed Greatest American Hero comic books that he signed t- to me and sent them to me after that interview. So, nice. Yeah, that, that was fun. He still has a career. He's still out there doing bit parts here and there. And if you look at his IMDb, he's he's working hard. That's so cool. Someone might ask, what sort of song could have kept this genius gem from the 80s out of the number one spot? Can I ask? Can I ask, Steve? Can I please ask? (laughs) Yes. Steve, what song could possibly keep this masterpiece out of the number one spot? (laughs) This one by Lionel Richie. And you're Tell me how much you care 
we're gonna hear this song a lot this week. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it now. Yeah. This Forget song, the foreshadowing. Let's just shadow. When we talk about good songs from bad movies, is there any chasm that's bigger than the difference between this song and this movie? Uh, you put me on the spot there, but I'm going to say no because I know some things about this song yeah, that we'll do. talk about later. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have plenty of chances to. It was written by Lionel Richie. It was a duet with Diana Ross, and it spent nine weeks at number one on the Hot 100. Brad, what song do you have from uh, 1981 that you're going to represent? Next up in the barrel, I'm going to give you a little something from the Pointer Sisters. It's Slow Hand. I want a man with a slow That's classic slow dance material from the early 80s. It's the lead single from their black and white album. It went to number two, we know that, and it was there for three weeks in late August. You might remember the Pointer Sisters showing up in episode 524 when we talked about songs that stuck at, got stuck at number two in 1979 because this is tied with that song for the highest charting Pointer Sisters song. What would that be, Steve? Uh, Fire? Yes, winner. It's a number two song. I shouldn't rag on it too much. What I found most interesting about this song was the writer. The writer's John Bettis. Well, John Bettis and Michael Clark. But John Bettis wrote a ton of music for the Carpenters. He went to college with Richard and Karen Carpenter, and they were in choir together. Aw, music nerds. And uh, he ended up writing, among other things, a lyric for Top of the World, but more in line with our listeners' tastes, he also co-wrote Crazy For You, and he co-wrote Human Nature. Because you have your sister on the line, I have to ask her this. You mentioned, you, you definitely, Brad, have, have shown over the years to have an affinity for music nerds. So, so I have to ask Anne, how, how big of a music nerd was Brad in the 80s? He was a pretty big music nerd, but it runs in the family. Oh, okay. So you're King not gonna... music nerd. <laughs> He was in the marching band, right? Yep, we both Best were. Best time the- ever. <laughs> you both were? At the same time? For one year. For a year, yeah. Okay, now, what did, do you remember what he played and what, and what did you play? He played, he was drum major actually, and he played bassoon. When we were in marching band together, I did was not drum major as a freshman. No, you played bass drum in, in the marching band, and I played cymbals and cowbell. <laughs> Oh, man, I hope there's home movies of that somewhere. Nope. No. (laughs) Brad, tell us what kept it out of the number one spot. You're all going to be very surprised to hear that this was kept out by... Steve, did you know that this is the biggest single of both Lionel Richie and Diana Ross's careers? No. No, that's not true. Including her time with the Supremes. No! Yes, yes. (sighs) annoying i know and lionel richie you know he's such a two-timer he re-recorded this with shania twain for his 2012 album tuskegee which has been assigned to me as homework and i still haven't listened to it <laughs> we get a dollar every time we mention it on the podcast though so that works out great oh, i got another one here okay I got another one queued up steve slow your roll there this is juice newton's queen of hearts 
talk about the soft country that is still in the charts in the early 80s, and this is it, man. And believe it or not, this actually charted higher on the pop charts than it did on the country charts. It peaked out at 14 on the country charts. Huh. This was number two for two weeks in September, but in spite of its less glamorous showing on the country chart, it did get Juice Newton a 1982 Grammy nomination for Best Female Vocalist in the Country and Western category. Which she lost. Who'd she lose to? I don't know. Let's see if our audience knows. Anyone know? Wait, hey, Doug knows it. Hang on one second. We'll get Doug. No Googling. Doug, who'd she lose to? It was uh, Lionel Richie. Good guess. Good guess. (laughs) But incorrect. (laughs) Anybody else? It was a female, right? Female artist? Yes. Okay. Best Uh, female vocalist, Country Western, 1982. uh, Dolly Parton. You are correct, sir. What was the song? Probably nine to five. You are correct, sir. <laughs> People say we hate country music. They can <sighs> shove it. <laughs> this is written by Hank DeVito, who was a steel guitar player for Emmylou Harris for years and years. And the song was first recorded by none other than Dave Edmonds. It's on repeat when necessary, along with one of my favorite Dave Edmonds songs we've talked about on our covers show, Girls Talk. Oh, yeah. Sure. I remember that. Yeah. This was blocked by Steve. Are you ready? Say it again. Steve, did you know that this is the second highest selling single of 1981? No, I did not. Do you know what number one was? 1981. Um, Anyone in the the studio audience have a guess? Someone got a guess? Raise your hand. Top single of 1981. Is it High Infidelity? Heard it from a friend? Uh, no, sir. Excellent guess, but incorrect. Dave Agiagas has a has waving his hand madly. Oh, we will go with Betty Davis eyes. We have a winner, yes. ladies and gentlemen. That, that makes All the sense. boys think she's a spy. <laughs> Not a spaz, as one of our listeners wrote in. I always thought it was Always think she's a spaz. Yeah. That was, was that, that you, Chase? That was me. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't until like a year ago that I learned it wasn't that line. I still can't unhear spaz, even when you know it. Enough about spies. Uh, This is the most successful duet of the rock era, surpassing the Everly Brothers' 1957 hit, Wake Up, Little Susie. Oh, wow. Jeez. Hmm. You know, we did get a lot of grief, by the way, for the Kenny Rogers show that we did. Did we? Saying that we were being um, dismissive to the genre in general. Too jovial. And that it was more of a roast than it was a... Awake. Yeah, more of a roast than awake. Boy, if we've made people feel that way, I, I... I really feel bad. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay. We did not intend it that way. and, and No, it, it was a little light, but then, you know what? It had been kind of a weird week all the way around. Yeah, that was, wasn't that like, it was right we after we got back from the cruise mm-hmm. and we were all kind of holed up for the first week or two of quarantine and things yeah, just I'd weren't. I'd forgotten to shower. Like, I couldn't find my toothbrush. So, the next song is mine as we kind of stumble our way to the finish line here. Uh, this song was huge for this band and really big in the second half of 1981. It's from the Rolling Stones. It is, of course, Start Me Up. Up was the lead single off their album Tattoo You, 
Reached number one in Australia, number seven in the UK, and of course, only number two in the United States. Brad, were you a fan of the Rolling Stones back then? Uh, not a big fan, no. 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 But, but I think this, this album, for a lot of people our age, was maybe our first real introduction to them. I mean, you probably yeah. heard... I mean, you knew the classics. Yeah, yeah, but this might have been the first one you owned. Devo's cover of Satisfaction. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. Strange factoid about this song. It was recorded for their 1978 album, Some Girls. And originally was intended to be a reggae-influenced song called Never Stop. But after Hmm. a dozen or so takes, the band basically just gave up on it, and it got pushed to uh, 1981. Doug, you got a story about uh, Rolling Stones? Yeah, well, actually, that song, Start Me Up, kind of got me into some trouble when I was in college. I was a film and and video major, and uh, one of my first assignments for for my video-making class, and we were told explicitly not to make a music video. The the, the curriculum was very oriented towards, you know, making things that that were a little more artistic. Of course, I, I faked everybody out by actually starting my video with Start Me Up, and me kind of lip syncing to it for about five seconds. And then I kind of cut it off and, and jumped into the, the meat of the uh, the video. But uh, my teacher was uh, horrified for about, you know, five seconds there. But it did get me into some trouble. Hey, Augie, I've got a question for you. The Rolling Stones, I think on this tour, had Van Halen opening for them. How does that work for you as a double bill? Van Halen and the B-52s opening for Rolling Stones. I'll put it this way. I, I would take Van Halen and even the B-52s over watching the Rolling Stones live again. <laughs> really? That bad? Uh, yeah. I, I saw the Steel Wheelchairs tour. <laughs> that would be the last time that I uh, had ever wanted to watch them again. I think it is the only concert except for Bon Jovi's New Jersey that I walked out of after maybe 15 minutes of the concert. Wow. Jeez. So you didn't have any trouble getting out of the parking lot then? Oh, no, not at all. The only one. <laughs> yeah. hey. but it, it took a lot of effort to drink the rest of the keg that was in the back of my mom's van. Uh, well, you <laughs> know, we all have our cross to bear. So you're probably wondering by now what song or songs, in this case, blocked Start Me Up, such a, a anthemic icon of the 80s from the number one spot. Two songs, actually, including this one by Christopher Cross. Arthur's theme, a.k.a. The Best You Could Do, co-written and performed by Christopher Cross, won the Oscar for Best Original Song, the Golden Globe for Best Original Song, and won a Grammy Award, all for that. Wow. The Triple Crown. Yeah. If you go to the AFI's list of 100 years and 100 songs, uh, Best That You Can Do is wedged at number 78 in between 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton and Springtime for Hitler from the producers. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me it's behind Springtime for Hitler. Don't, it's, I, it's, it's in front of, it's in front of <sighs> Springtime for Hitler. AFI, so you're a morally bankrupt as an organization. The second song that kept starting me up out of the top spot is this one by Hall Notes. Private eyes, watching you. They see your every 
Private Eyes, title track from their album of that year, was number one on the charts for two weeks. It was the third of six straight number one hits that they had, the first two being uh, Rich Girl and Kisses on my list. So there you go. And one of my favorite songs was Clapping. <laughs> well, you probably are still uh, mourning the loss of the Oneaters from that, that thing you do. I very much am. I very much am. Okay. We have one more. I'm going to bring it in. You're going to just love this. I'm going to give you this one in long-distance dedication format. Steve, will you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You by Foreigner? This song, you're just soaking in it. The the synth starts and this '80s little just wraps you in the warm little cocoon of '80sness. It's just such a time machine song for me. Well, yeah, and we know that it's a uh, Thomas Dolby creation. Yep. Oh, you're, you're getting to the trivia questions ahead of me here. <laughs> it's the second single from Foreigner's blockbuster album Four, which I believe, as a freshman in high school, I was issued a copy at registration. It hit number two in late November and then spent 10 weeks at number two, which is going to drag us into early 1982 for this show. And that is a record, by the way. Only one other song, and I don't remember because it was in the 2000s sometime, has spent as much time at number two as waiting yeah. for a girl like you. Chase, you're a couple of years older than us. I mean, do you, do you remember this song? Surely this song must have hit like right in the sweet spot of high school for you. Yeah, definitely. I used to listen to a station called WBCN out of Boston. And uh, this got some pretty pretty heavy airplay. And and I also commuted to high school about half an hour, so I spent a lot of time listening, uh, <laughs> listening to the radio. <laughs> Lead synthesizer part, as Mr. Augie August has mentioned, is played by Thomas Dolby, and he talks about the recording sessions in his autobiography, which is a, a great read. I can't recommend it highly enough. This particular track was kept out of the number one spot by not one, but two songs. The first one was number one for 10 weeks, but not the same 10 weeks. It's Olivia Newton-John with Physical. Tell me about it, stud. What, what more do we yeah. need? <laughs> Sandy. Tell me about it. So I think we're done here. The second track that kept it out, we're going to keep the Hall & Oates theme going, was I Can't Go For That. Number one for one week in January of 1982. And John Oates said that this song is not about relationships, but is about not being pushed around by the big labels, the managers, and the agents, being told what to do, and being true to yourself creatively. That's something I know nothing about, being pushed around by a big label manager or an agent. We've been doing this podcast for 15 years right now, and uh, we answer, <laughs> we to, answer no one. to no one. And we make no money. Hey, it's funny I mentioned no money. It's time to introduce our new sponsor, Bet Online. With no NBA, no NHL, and no Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. 
Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. What is a prop? I don't know. Does anyone know? It's the thing on the front of a plane before they invented jets. That's exactly it. Okay. We're better on propellers. From their online casino to poker and blackjack as they are bringing the Vegas to us. I don't know that you have to pronounce the the Vegas. I think it's just Las Vegas, but that's okay. I kind of like it. <laughs> the it's Vegas. Crazy. The kids love it. We're going to the Vegas. Are you missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. That just rolls right off my tongue. If you are into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, Stuck in the 80s, Stock Prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. By the way, the current uh, over-under on how many times Steve's going to have to read this ad to get it right is four. So, Which, as it turns out, is the same as the over-and-under on how many times Brad's going to make macaroni and cheese this week. Yeah. BetOnline is open 24 hours a day, and it's all online. Visit their website at betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. And we're back. And that was fun, if not uh, scandalous and possibly libelous. Just for those who are keeping track at home, uh, Dave Horn, who is is still listening, but he is uh, having problems with his audio so he can't join in this and his lawyers are probably happy for that brad you know the only thing that's going to get us out of this mess the The seggies what's happening hot stuff ah by the sound of the gong it must be time for mystery movie moment uh you know the drill hill talk much uh you know the drill god now i really knew you know the (laughs) drill Hey, you guys, you know the drill here. Steve plays a snippet of a movie, and we all choke on it. Here was the movie clip the last time we did this, Seggy. Kids suck. Yep, that's the Goonies. Uh, Not a lot of people got that. For everyone who sits there and swears, you know, to the heavens that they they love this movie, they didn't get that quote. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Uh, A couple of years, well, several years, nine years ago, ten years ago, a um, couple of years in my time, we went to Astoria in Oregon. Okay. And you can go on like a Goonies tour. You go to the Chamber of Commerce. They sell Goonies shot glasses, which I found inappropriate, but delightful <laughs> that I have one. And you can go and stand in front of the Goonies house. And so I went there and did the um, the uh, chunk dance. In, the in truffle front. shuffle. Yeah, I did the truffle shuffle. And we parked in front of this school, which is the kindergarten cop school. Wow. Oh, it's not a tumor. They're like 100 feet apart. Oh, wow. I thought a story sounded familiar. Uh, we always ask someone on the cruise to do the, the truffle shuffle. Not too difficult. Guy delivered this year, too. Oh, yeah. It was, it was great. It was, it was fantastic. I lost my notes. There we are. Brad, read some of the winners. I can see how you would have had trouble remembering that part. Winners this week include Gene and Gilroy, Alejandro Sticks, Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico, Nate Chops Johnson, Base Note, Mike Wally Walters in San Diego, Stony Stitt, and Jeff and Charity in Richlands, Virginia. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. You have the nicest teeth. No, man, she's not a horse. Tell her about her eyes. If you know it, email us at podcast at sitds.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. You know the drill here. See, I said it that time. I got it out. Oh, crushed it. You know, I'm a, I'm a game day player. 
Uh, we'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the contest for some free swag. I don't think I got around to saying that the first time. You said that, though, didn't you? No, I did not. People know. They know there's swag. Pay attention. Here's the clip from the last time we did this. That's John Parr's Naughty Naughty. It's funny that we uh, mentioned John Parr here. If all goes according to plan, and I just found this out like an hour ago, I'll be doing a Facebook Live chat with John Parr uh, next week. Oh, nice. Cool. So keep your eye on Facebook, on social media. We'll try to post the time. And the plan is to record it and then use it as a podcast. So we'll sh- we shall see. Even better. So. Every time I hear this song, I think of the LTV uh, voiceover version. I don't know if you remember the video, but John Parr is working as a mechanic, and you know he gets fed up with his boss who's sticking it to him, and so he quits on the spot, right? And then he leaves, and you know the voiceover, you know Weird Al's like, if that happened to me, I'd tear out of there so fast, my hubcaps would fly <laughs> off, and well, you know what happens yeah, next. Yeah. Brad, read some of the winners. Winners this week include, and might I add, we've gotten some email lately from people who are upset with us that maybe their name didn't get read. You know, look, we're not Bryce Waterhouse Coopers. We don't audit the answers super carefully. So sometimes we miss some names, which is why I always say winners include, okay? It's a blanket, get out of jail free card. I'm sorry we missed your name. We appreciate you writing in. Here are the ones we remember from this week. <laughs> Joseph Perdue, David Horn, John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Alejandro Sticks Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico, Michael Mockrock Hayes, Eric in North Seattle, Rock the Good Ag, Donnie Gettle Rhymes with Metal, Todd Cunningham, Christian in Duluth, Dave Parrott, Dan in Omaha, Base Note, Kyle K in Arkansas, Tommy Doucette, Stony Stitt, Lynn with three ends in Nebraska, Hermit Jack, who has apparently been training for this his whole life, and Kevin Serving Wench. Okay, Brad, spin the uh, Wheel of Fortune. Let's find out who can take home a postal-friendly bottle opener. I think you should have oh, someone else should Dave do it. Augie August spin the wheel. Dave, spin the wheel. I have been buffing up the entire quarantine just for this moment. <laughs> Here we go. Do it. I don't think the wheel's going to survive that. Yeah. Tune, tune in tomorrow when the wheel finally stops spinning. Looks like it's going to land on Stony Stitt. You are this week's winner, so send us your postal address so we can send you the postal-friendly bottle opener. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at... Someone say our address for me. Podcast at SIT80s.com. <laughs> and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. We wanted you to appreciate the bold taste of cold-filtered Pabst Genuine Draft and bright, refreshing Pabst Light. So we made the first-ever scratch-and-sniff commercial. We figure if you scratch the box and experience the aroma, you'll hear us when we say, if you can't taste the difference, why pay the difference? But we didn't find out until after we shot the film that technology hasn't yet made this possible. Sorry. We hope you'll try Pabst Genuine Draft and Pabst Light anyway. Thanks. Hey, we're back, and we have time to play one last saggy. Let's play that edition of What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? 
Well, this week, this week's 80s obsession is the remake of Dune. Some promotional stills came out this week for the Dennis... I can't say it. Villeneuve. Uh, thank you. Villeneuve <laughs> directed version of this movie. I I almost hesitate to call it an 80s thing, but the David Lynch version is so 80s It's so choice. That we will go ahead and... And I do talk about it all the time anyway. So the stills look great, but... You know, anyone could take a picture. Let's see if we can string 24 together in a second and make it look like something. Agreed. Any thoughts on that, uh, studio audience? Yeah, anyone here a fan of Dune? I got the book for Christmas my junior, senior year in high school, and I tried to read it and uh, just could not get through it. it. It was, I think I made it about 75 pages, and I was like, I'm, I'm done. Wow. I think we all can admit that Herbert is a little dry. Yeah, I just and I didn't I just didn't get the hype and uh, the movie was a was a mess. You know, I oh, said, uh, you know. yeah, the problem is you have to have read the book to understand two thirds of what's going on in the movie. But the other third that's in the movie is all completely fabricated. So if you've read the book, it makes you angry. So the only people that had any chance of understanding David Lynch's movie were mad the minute the thing started. <laughs> well, there's that. It's actually a movie though that is iconic for the way it was shot and the way it was you know, acted compared to how the book is iconic for the writing itself. Wow. Nailed it. I love the book. It is one of my favorites, if not my favorite book. But yes, I can see how it can be a little impenetrable. But I think we are still all waiting for the costume, Sting's costume, to be worn by Brad at some point on the cruise. <sighs> yeah. <It> looks cold. <laughs> it's like <laughs> confiscated by TSA. Yeah. So I will kill him for you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's my 80s obsession. Today we saw the trailer for the musical version of Valley Girl. Now, who here was a fan of the 1983 movie? Everybody. Everybody. All hands up. I never saw it. What? Oh, well, you're a fan. I'm, I'm a blasphemer. I'm a blasphemer. I'm sorry. Wow. It's, it's worth seeing. Well, lucky for you, it is now available on all digital platforms, so you can see it now. Hey, all right. Yes. Anyone here see the trailer besides me? And I'm just curious what people thought of it. Yeah, yeah. Thought of it. Yeah, definitely. I, I watched it on your insistence, but I didn't yeah. realize there was a new version out. I actually watched the trailer for the 1983. Oh, no, that's still. Uh, so, Never so I was change, like, Doug. Never change. You know, but I did find that there was a trailer for a, for a new musical version, which I thought was actually interesting because I noticed it looks like they're trying to do some kind of a framing device of, was it? Delicious Silverstone. Yeah, yeah, uh, is like telling the story of Valley Girl to her daughter. Yeah, um, I, I I'm not kind of confused by that as well. I wasn't sure if this was actually supposed to be a a movie station in the '80s or if this was Peggy Sue got married 30 years later. Yeah, mm. it's it's a little unclear. What I noticed is that the the boy he doesn't have the lovable lunk look of of Cage of Nick Cage. He seems kind of malicious. I, I was not sure I'm going to like him. Yeah, I saw the trailer and I thought that guy's not a punk. He's a skate rat. Yeah, yeah, well, that's definitely not a punk. I looked at the cast because I thought Debbie Foreman was going to be in this. She's not listed as under the cast. Uh, one former member is for sure Heidi Holliker, who played Stacy in the original movie. She is listed under the cast uh, with the name Mrs. H. So there you go. Hmm. So at least we'll get one surprise. I'm Facebook friends with her. I'll have to reach out to her and see if she wants to talk about it. So Steve, let me ask you the direct question. Thumb up or thumb down on that trailer? And put you on the spot. It's it's like 
you're craving sushi, but there's no sushi restaurants open, so you're going to get the California roll from the local grocery store, and you're going to like it because you just need it. The, okay. I, I think it's going to be public sushi. I, here's here's my take on this. People are angry about this trailer, like <laughs> freaking out, angry. Get the pitchforks and the torches. Um, you guys, let's let's just revisit this for a minute. I like the original too, but. You can't sit there with a straight face and tell me, well, that's an original plot that was cooked up in the 80s and is solely ever conceived, you know. No, it's Romeo and Juliet. Yes, exactly. Right. So, you know, I don't see the Elizabethans freaking out. So, you know, cool your jets, <laughs> 80s nation. You don't have to go. You don't have to see it. You don't have to experience it. It doesn't take anything away from the original version of Valley Girl or Romeo and Juliet, as the case may be. There's plenty of things to be freaked out about, but don't let that one get to you, okay, 80s Nation? It's going to be okay. Speaking of freak out, I hate to end the podcast on a bummer note, but we found out just hours ago that Brian Dennehy passed away today at the age of 81, natural causes. Just so big in the 80s. I was looking through his list of credits. I think he must have appeared in 40 movies in the 80s. Something like that, yeah. 20 TV shows. I'm just curious. You know, I throw it open to the gallery. What what your favorite Brian Dennehy uh, character was? Oh, the chief in First Blood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's That's probably the big one. I think the first time I remember seeing him, they tried to make a Walking Tall TV show. And uh, I I don't know if you remember that series, uh, Buford Puster. It was a series of movies back in the 70s, Walking Tall. Joe Don Baker, I think, played played the He's character. The poor man's Brian Dennehy. Yeah, yeah. When I was younger, I always confused the two. But they tried making a TV show. Brian Dennehy played Buford Pusser in the in the. They did it as a TV movie pilot. Oh, okay. Um, I think that might have been seventy eight, seventy nine. So it was kind of right before he broke it big. You know, and for some reason, he played John Wayne Gacy in a, in a TV movie about, about John Wayne Gacy. And I, I thought that was 80s, and I looked it up. It was like 1994. I was like, holy cow. And also a slightly more evil person that he portrayed was Bobby Knight. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. That's right. For, for me, it's Cocoon. You know, he plays the, wow. the alien. And that's, that's right. that was filmed in, in St. Pete. And so it means something special to those, those of us who lived there. For me, it's Lieutenant Leo McCarthy from the severely underrated movie FX. Oh, yeah. oh that was a great oh, yeah. movie. So good. That is That's so good. Movie. Brian yeah. Brown was the lead in that. Yeah. 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 He was a guest star on Miami Vice in season four. I don't think there was a season or a series in the 80s he wasn't a guest star on. Dynasty. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. you look at MDB, and there's one episode everywhere, five episodes here if you got lucky. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, book, we've book the much, yeah, we pretty much named all his iconic stuff besides, you know, his stuff in the 80s with uh, Tommy Boy. Wait, wait. One, there's oh, one yeah. more iconic piece of work that we're leaving out here. It is one of my favorite movies. I'll watch it any time, day or night. Silverado. Shit. Silverado. Gonna, I knew you were going to say Silverado. Silverado. I know it's tropetastic, built from trope from head to toe, and I love it. And he's great in it. What a waste. This could have been such a sweet deal for us. Yeah. Bad luck. Let's not forget he also won two Tony Awards along the way. He will be missed. Hey, that's all the time we have for this week. I hope you enjoyed this bizarre experiment that we did here with the uh, live podcast. <laughs> Depending on how it turns out, we might be doing these in the future. So stay tuned uh, and we'll see if we can't get some more people on. 
But in the meantime, uh, myself and our gang of 80s addicts, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. still there brad i am are you still there steve i don't know